Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Steve White. He's a leader, speaker, and author of the book, Uncompromising. Steve, welcome to the show. Great. Thank you, Kevin. I'm so honored to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think, well, you've done a tremendous amount of stuff. The book, doing really well, and um, I've been enjoying it myself. But maybe before we get into all that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Great. Well, I grew up, uh, I like to consider myself a Midwestern boy. I was born in Florida, but okay. grew up in Indianapolis. Uh, my formative years were spent there. Interesting. Okay. So you went to university. What did you take and why? Uh, Indiana University. I was a, I wanted to be a sportscaster, quite honestly. I majored in journalism. And at that time, people were not making a ton of money doing sportscasting. So one of my professors said, Steve, why don't you take some business classes? So I minored in business and realized I really enjoy it. While sportscasting and journalism was fun, I really got excited about the possibilities of building businesses, working with teams. And so as I minored in business, uh, uh, college uh, recruiters from different companies would come to campus. I got connected and I started working with a company called American Hospital Supply, carrying a sales bag. And it was the best way to really learn business when you've got to go out there and convince people that your products and services are better than the next person. Okay, fascinating. So walk us through that job, the rest of your career, and then I want to dive into what you're doing today, and then we'll get into the book. Sound good? Great. Yeah. So join, uh, join corporate America. And so I was one of these kids, Kevin, and I grew up in the housing projects of Indianapolis. And early on in my life, my dream was to be a postman. I never even thought about, you know, going to college, being a business person. But, you know, as things go along and you demonstrate that you're a hard worker, you have a great attitude. It's amazing to me how many people take an interest in helping you drive your career. And so after Indiana University, I started working with American Hospital Supply and I enjoyed a lot of early success, Kevin, probably too much too soon. I was the rookie of the year. I was the top quota breaker for the company. I got promoted, I moved to Chicago. Then right after that, I became the youngest sales manager in the company's history. They moved me to Michigan. So at 22 going on 23, I'm now running my own sales team. But guess what happened, Kevin? A year with a year into that job, I got fired. Okay. Everything wow. I had done up to that point was focused on me, how hard I worked, how many hours I put in. But once you get the opportunity to lead men and women, it's less about you. It's all about them and how you can develop them, how you can invest in them, how you can help them be the best that they could be. And I didn't understand that. And as a result, we were not generating proper business results and I got fired. And it was probably wow. the best thing that could happen to me, Kevin, 
because uh, another mentor with the company, another division in the company, called me up and said, look, I see more in you than they do. However, if you continue to lead the way you're leading, you're not going to be successful. He said, I'm going to move you to Chicago. His name was Darnell Martin. He's no longer with us now. And he really poured into me how to be a servant leader, how leaders eat last. And the more and more you pour into your team, the more and more they'll pour back into you. And that's how you'll get promoted. So taking that lesson, I really focused my time and effort on serving people and my career took off from there. So I worked at American Hospital Supply. I spent time at Pepsi-Cola and Colgate-Palmolive, but the majority of my career has been in the cable industry. And that's what I've been doing the last 20 plus years or so, uh, still working with Comcast. Interesting. So what's your role at Comcast? Well, I guess, what have your roles been at Comcast? Because you've had a few of them. Yeah, a number of different roles, but in every single job, Kevin, it was leading large groups of men and women, starting as a regional manager in the Southeast, going to California. The last 11 years, I was the president of Comcast West. It was a, we generated about $18 billion in revenue. I had responsibility for 30,000 employees. We served almost 13 million customers. So we were responsible for all of Comcast Cable's operations west of the Mississippi. So fairly significant job. I did that about 11 years. And today I serve as president and special counsel supporting Dave Watson, our CEO of our Comcast Gable Group. I focus on leadership development, DE&I, strategic planning, acquisitions, et cetera. Fascinating. Okay. So what made you decide to write Uncompromising and what is the book about? Well, it's a good question because when you reach a level of success, Kevin, you never get there by yourself. And there have been a number of men and women that have given me a hand up, Kevin. That's not a handout. A hand up I define as an opportunity to display my real talents. And so what better love letter to write them than to take all of those lessons learned, put it in a book and share it with others. And we came up with the title Uncompromising, Kevin, because one of the quotes that really inspires my life is the Mark Twain quote. The two most important days in your life, Kevin, is the day you're born. The second is when you find out why. And once you find why you've been placed on this earth, that is what you're uncompromising. That is what you're ruthless in your pursuit of living your best life by living your purpose of why you've been placed on this earth. So throughout the book, I share these lessons of how I was able to identify my fight, my purpose, my why, why I was placed on this earth. And I talk about these seven pathways of how once you identify your purpose and why, how do you stay focused on that? How do you not lose sight of that so you can create a life of success, legacy, and impact? And so that's why I wrote the book. It's a love letter to all the men and women who have given me a hand up. And now I would like to pay it forward and share those lessons learned with others. And this is a book, not just for business people, certainly there's a business angle to it, but it's to that single mother who wants to share with their with her oldest son to, to give him inspiration and to 
help him navigate. It's to the pastor of a church. It's certainly to business leaders. It's to a, a father who's raising three kids by himself. This book is for everyone because we all have been placed on this earth for a reason. The sooner we find out why, boy, that really sets us on a path of success, uh, legacy, and impact. No, I, I think that's really great. And you mentioned something that I think like it's so important to once you get to some sort of success, whatever that means to you, is to give other people that break as well because somebody did it to you and playing or paying that forward is so important. And I'm glad that you brought that up and you mentioned that and you cover that in the book. And you know, Kevin has such a good point. There's a song called Glories, and I love this line. Uh, we all will die twice in our life. The first time is when somebody places us in our grave or in our mausoleum or wherever we go. The second is the last day someone mentions your name. Totally. Yeah. So think about that, Kevin. If we could all focus on long after we're gone in a positive way, people are still uh, mentioning our name. What an awesome legacy. Long after we're gone, people are still mentioning our name in a very positive light. That is a life well lived. Couldn't agree more. So I'm curious because it's very challenging to actually find a passion, never mind like why and how do you leverage that and find your why? And can you walk us through some pathways and, and findings of how people can start to do that? Yeah. Well, the first thing is finding your fight. And I found mine through adversity. As I mentioned earlier, I got fired. Um, yeah. And so that allowed me to get reconnected to my purpose. It was always there. I had just lost track of it. But I often get that question, Kevin, how do I find my purpose and my why? First of all, you got to reflect. This is not an easy assignment that you're just going to wake up one day and says, aha, I've got it. It certainly takes reflection. But here's the three questions I always pose to people. Number one, what are you good at? And, you know, get others' opinions because I think I'm a great singer. My wife tells me I'm not. So, so clear, <laughs> you know, make sure you get confirmation. What are you good at, Kevin? And then what are you passionate about? And number three, what would you do for free? So if you could find something that connects those three questions, that gets you on your path to identifying your purpose and why. And I know for me, my purpose is, how can I create a table of prosperity for as many people as possible? So I love leading men and women, and I would do it for free if I have to. But I promise you, if you're good at it, you're passionate about it, and you would do it for free, somebody will find a way to pay you for your services. So just focus on the process of identifying. So then once you identify your, your fight, that's number one. Number two is I talk about how do you stay focused on that prize? How do you avoid the day-to-day -day distractions of life so you can stay focused on your right road? Number three, how do you live your life as a learning lamb? Identifying your purpose is one thing, Kevin. Becoming really good at it is another. So that's why you always have to be on this journey of learning and growth and how can I get better at it? I'm sure you're much better at this now than you were on your first 
your first session because you've learned and you've found people that you can develop and grow under. So those are just three approaches. So one, find your fight. Then we talk about it in the book, how do you focus on the real, pro real prize? And number three, how do you live your life as a learning lab as you move forward? Number four is think and act like a business, invest in you incorporated. One of the things Kevin, I talk about while I work for Comcast and I really enjoy working for Comcast, I really, my real job is I'm chairman and CEO of Steve White Incorporated. Now Comcast purchases my services, so I'm very excited about that, but I have to think and act like a business. I have to develop my business. I have to pour into my craft. So companies like Comcast will be interested in purchasing my services. So it's a different mindset. It's a different way of thinking. But I work for Steve White Incorporated, and that's pathway number four, thinking I act like a business. Pathway number five, and I'll be quick, own your attitude and your effort. Those, Kevin, at the end of the day, those are the only two things you truly can control. Number six, the line to success is never a straight road. There will be peaks, there will be valleys. So how do you navigate uncertainty? And then finally, none of us get to a level of success on our own. So how do you commit to what I call road dog relationships? So those are the pathways that I talk about in the book. So you can identify your purpose and why, and then how do you stay focused on that as you move forward to a life of legacy impact um, and commitment? No, I, I think that's that's really good. But I'm curious, I want to dive a little bit deeper onto a couple of these pathways because I think they're the hardest and probably the ones to get the most sidetracked. And you could correct me if you're wrong, but I, I think the first one is your your pathway to the avoiding distractions, um, keeping you on the right road, because it, it is so hard to get stuck or it's so easy to get stuck in kind of that dead end job or or whatever it is and actually kind of forget about that. Do you yes. agree with that or what are your thoughts around that? Oh, absolutely, and Kevin, that's why when, when one of the things I talk about is this road dog relationships, Kevin, is so important to surround yourself with men and women that will challenge you to be your best. They won't allow you to settle. Uh, they'll give you the tough love. Kevin, every time I meet someone, I say, tell me who do you have in your life? that can come in and be honest with you and straight with you and give you the real truth. So when you can surround yourself with men and women like that, that helps you stay focused on what you're trying to do. You tell them what your vision is, you tell them what your goals are, and then you give them permission to hold you accountable. That is a significant way that I try to uh, stay focused. I have what I call a kitchen cabinet, Kevin. There's seven men and women that serve in this group and some they come in and out, but I've got these seven men and women that I don't make a major decision unless I consult this kitchen cabinet. Uh, and I talk about what I'm trying to do. I talk about my vision and I seek advice and counsel. Those are the steps that I take to try to stay focused on the real prize. And that's why it's so important, Kevin, that you have that North Star. You know what your purpose and why is. So every day as you make decisions, you now have a lens of how to make decisions because you always start, is this in service of my North Star? Is this in service of my purpose and my why? If not, 
it becomes an easy decision not to be distracted by that. I, no, I 100% I agree. But I'm curious because, and let's use your Comcast role as a good example, you're very high up in the company. And so how do you make people that are either peers of you or under you feel like they can actually give you that honest feedback and not just tell you, you know, what you kind of, they think you'd want to hear. Because I think somebody in your role getting constructive criticism can go kind of bad sometimes. So how do you make sure that people are comfortable to actually do that and give you that real feedback? Yeah, it's a good question, Kevin, because everyone's not going to feel comfortable. So don't make, don't try to make someone if you know they're not going to be comfortable with, but find somebody on your team or in your organization or peers that you know would feel comfortable doing it. So here's, here's my steps. One is I go to them and I ask them and I give them the permission. Okay. And the way I start off, Kevin, is I, I'm vulnerable with them. I say, here, so let's say you're that person. I say, Kevin, here's where I'm struggling. Here are the two, two or three areas that I'm really messing up right now. And I'm really struggling to find my way. So by you showing vulnerability, uh -huh. that sends a message to that other person that this person is self-aware. They're aware enough of their own shortcomings uh, that that's going to make it easier. And then number three, the first time they do come with feedback, don't shoot the messenger right. because that'll turn around. Embrace it. Say, you know what? That's an interesting point. I need to think about that because I didn't realize I was doing that. And then you do that more and more, that person will start to get more and more comfortable doing that uh, as you move forward. But I think you give them permission. Number two, you show vulnerability. You share with them what you're trying to accomplish and where you're struggling. And then the first time they come with you with feedback, don't shoot the messenger. The first time, just listen. Sometimes I don't even ask follow-up questions. I just listen, soak it in. And I, and I ask them, can I come back to you? Because I want to think about the feedback that you just shared. And then once you start doing that, people will start to get really comfortable giving you that feedback and then you're on your way. No, I, I think that's really good advice. So one thing I just want some clarification on when you go to somebody, you're asking for help and you're not giving them like, I've thought of this already and here are three things or whatever the number is that I'm thinking we could do to solve this. Like you're basically going with a blank piece of paper saying like, I need help coming up with those three, five, 10 solutions. Is that correct? That's right. Or it could be, Hey, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be here. Let me give you an example. If sure. you work for me, Kevin, one of the first things I do is I say, tell me your greatest hopes and dreams for your career. What is it you're trying to accomplish? Where do you want to go? Because that will now shape the kind of feedback, um, you know, that I'm going to give the person. Then I say, okay, well, how bad do you want that? And then what role can I play? And so you kind of gain that agreement up front. And then that's when you start with a blank piece of paper and you say, well, look, my goal is I want to be the vice president of this department. Uh, tell me what might get in my way. And that's where you start with a blank piece of paper. And that other person says, well, here are two things that I've observed that if you could work on these two things, I think it will start to put you in that conversation and then you're on your way. And then find multiple people to get feedback. You don't want to just have one 
because Kevin, you want to be able to validate the feedback that you're getting from one person. So now if you hear from person number two, person number three, person number four, now you're developing themes. So you never only want to have one person in your kitchen cabinet. That's why you want to have multiple people because now you can cross check the feedback that you're getting and where you hear those consistent themes, that'll give you a good sense that, okay, I'm on the right track. I know where my focus is. No, I, I think those are actually really good. That's really good advice and, and tactics of ways to get people to give you what you're looking for, because let's be honest, we all don't always have the answers and you never know where sometimes the best solution can come from somebody that is in a totally different department or isn't even really in that department, right? At all. That's exactly right, Kevin. And can I add one other thing? Sure. As you start to evaluate your conversations, I want you to think about this. If there's a 30 minute conversation, I should speak no more than 25% of the time. If you're seeking out someone, if you're doing all the talking, you're headed in the wrong direction. So if you could just visualize and think about a conversation 75-25, I'm gonna do 25% of the talking, I'm gonna ask the questions, then for the other 75% of the time, I'm going to listen. And even when it gets silent, don't freak out. Get comfort in the fact that it's quiet. That's allowing that person to think, particularly if you're talking to an introvert. So that's another way to ensure that you're on the right track. If you're doing 25% of the talking and 75% of the time listening, that gives you a good opportunity to get some real gems that can help you on your way. No, I, I think that's actually really good advice. So you mentioned about investing in you and thinking of yourself like a business. Can you elaborate on that? And why do you think that's so important? Because I 100% I agree with you. Well, it's, uh, you know, Kevin, because think about this, the world is changing so fast yeah. that if you don't develop your skills along with the rapid pace of change, uh, you know, in corporate America and technology and all of this, you're going to fall behind. So think about this. You know, I'm going to take something really simple. Just think if you if you're not very computer literate, can you imagine surviving the last two years when everybody's at home <laughs> yep. and technology is the key to connecting with your teammates and all of this? But you have not developed those skills in that area. You're going to be in real trouble. So when you start thinking about yourself as a company you're constantly now thinking about what else can I do to build my company to make it stronger? Let me give you an example. Success is never a straight line to success. So you might have an opportunity at work to take a lateral move. And you say, well, why would I do that? Because by investing in your company, you're going to pick up new skills that you don't have today that's going to actually make you more and more attractive. So now when you start to think about yourself as a company and the company comes to you with a lateral move, you now can view that from a different lens. You're not saying, well, wait a minute, I'm not going up the ladder, I'm going sideways. Well, maybe that's a good decision that helps you build your company. For example, when I was working at, when I, at Comcast, I was a regional leader in the Southeast. The company offered me a regional job running the state of California. Now it's a, it's a similar job, a few more customers, a few more employees, a little bit more in revenue, 
But I recognized that by moving to California, I was going to learn a different skill set. It was a different marketplace. It was a little unique and challenging versus the Southeast. So I was able to go invest in my company, build out some incremental skill sets, which then made me even more attractive to Comcast. And that's when I got elevated to president of Comcast West, which which placed me in one of the top five or six leaders for the entire company. And I believe a big part of that was I stretched myself and I got some incremental uh, incremental skills. So that's that's the mindset when you start thinking about yourself as a company. Um, and, you know, Jay-Z, the rap uh, has a great line. He says, I'm not uh, I'm not a businessman. I am a business. And that's what we all are. We're a brand, we're a company, and people invest in our company. So therefore, you want to make it as attractive as possible. Interesting. And I, I think that plays into another chapter where you talk about attitude and effort. Why do you think those two things are so important? Because they're the only two things, Kevin, that you truly can control. Interesting. Uh, there's nothing else you can control. You can control your effort. And so I tell people, I'm going to outwork you. And I'm not saying that's working 24-7. But what I'm saying is that if I'm taking my son to a soccer game, I always got a notepad near me. So if an idea pops in my head, I'm going to scribble it down. I'm still invested in my son. I'm still going to the soccer game. That's what I call effort. Uh, it's not always working 24-7. Sometimes you do have to work 24-7 because there's right. a major project you got to get out the door. And then attitude. Now, think about this, Kevin. Who are you most attracted to? Somebody that works really hard, that puts in the effort, and they bring a great attitude. Now, compare that to somebody who does not have a great attitude, even if they work all the time. You don't want to be around that person. That's not somebody you want to go invest in. But when you can run across somebody who has a great attitude and they're willing to put in the time and effort, that's what's going to attract people to you. So if you think about my career, I talk about hand up versus hand out. People giving me opportunities because I worked extremely hard and I was focused on getting the ball across the finish line with a great attitude. That attracts people to your company. Just like Procter & Gamble who sells detergent or soap, they're trying to make their products as attractive as possible so you'll go to the store and buy it. Running your business is no different. You want to attract as many people to your company as possible and having a great attitude and great effort attracts people to your company. No, I 100% I agree with you. I, I think it's it's really good advice. Obviously, you obviously have leveraged relationships, but how do you or your what's your advice or thoughts around kind of networking and nurturing those relationships because in, in my experience in a lot of cases getting promoted or, or waiting for the right time to ask for a raise or ask for a new promotion or, or whatever is all about patience and i am not a patient person and and so like that's something that i've been kind of struggling with with over the last number of years but in a lot of cases i just find like if i just try to have patience chill keep networking, keep making relationships, whether it's internally or externally at a company or, or kind of just in an, in an industry that to me has brought me more success than yeah. always trying to be that impatient kind of like everything needs to happen today or within right. this week, or, or what are your thoughts around that? Yeah. The way I stay patient, as long as I know that I'm moving toward my goal, I can be patient. 
If I'm not moving okay. toward my goal, that's when I become impatient. So let's just take an example. So let's say you're working for a company and I'm going to use Comcast as an example. Okay. So for a long time, our reputation as a customer service oriented industry was not very positive. There were always these jokes about the cable guy. They never show up and all of this. And our company made a real commitment to customer experience. And I like to believe we made great strides. So as I thought about my goal and where I wanted to go, I tell people run to the biggest challenges of your company because that's how you get recognized and noticed. So I poured myself into customer experience. I learned everything that we were trying to do as a company. I spent time talking to customers. I spent time calling customers if they had a bad issue to learn from them to say, hey, what did we do right? What did we do wrong? And so I was developing those skills by running to the biggest challenge the company is, has played, has, is facing. And that's where I focused a lot of my attention. So you don't gain you're not impatient as long as you feel that you're moving toward your goal. So you always want to put yourself in a position that you're working toward your purpose, your why, and your ultimate goals for your life and for your career. And so that's what kind of keeps me focused. And let's talk about relationships, Kevin, because we know that relationships are a critical part of success. <clears throat> but what happens is sometimes people treat every relationship the same and they approach 50 relationships all with the same amount of effort. No, no, no. Let's be very strategic because there are going to be relationships. Some are going to be A relationships, B relationships, and C. That, not from a lack of importance. So let's say I'm focused on customer service. Don't you think I'm going to identify people in our company that are really good at that? And I'm going to go develop relationships with them so I can learn more about this thing called customer experience. And not to say community affairs is not important, but that's not what I'm focused on. That's not the biggest challenge of the company. So I'm not going to spend a lot of my time and energy learning about our community affairs effort. I'm going to take that time and focus on customer experience. So you have to be very strategic about your relationships. Where do you want an A plus relationship? Where do you want a B plus relationship? Where do you want a C plus relationship? And C is not a bad thing. You're saying that's an important relationship, but it's not critical to my success. But this A relationship is critical to my success. So I'm going to overinvest there so I can have an A plus type of relationship that serves the vision for my company and where I'm trying to go. Hopefully that makes sense. No, that, that totally makes sense. And as, as somebody that doesn't do this, I, I, the question, I, I don't know how to phrase the question and maybe you can help me with it, but I spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff and have in my past about kind of trying to navigate my career. It's not been perfect. Nobody's ever is. Like you mentioned, it's kind of a weird jaggedy line that goes everywhere. And But I find so many people don't actually put really a lot of thought into it and I know like you talk about obviously a bunch of pathways in, in the book to, to helping people through this, but how do you get people to actually put some thought into this to start getting on the journey to this? And why I ask, because I find so many people complain about where they are and then you kind of ask them like, well, what are you doing to change that? And in a lot of cases, their answer is, well, nothing. And it's kind of like, well, 
you're probably not going to change if you're not making the effort. So how do you get people thinking about this stuff and actually making that change to kind of go for it and start going on their journey or, or changing their journey to become all happier, I guess, is probably the goal. Well, the first question I always ask, Kevin, <clears throat> tell me what you're trying to accomplish. So let's look out five years, okay. 10 years. Where do you envision yourself? And that tells me a lot because that means they thought about it. Uh, they have a clear vision for themselves. And even if they don't, just by me asking that question, it gets the wheels turning. And then we say, okay, now let's back into that. So let's say 10 years from now, you wanna be doing ABC or five years or one year, whatever your time horizon is. Now let's back into that and let's talk about the steps that you've gotta go take to get there. And then we talk about the alternative. We talk about if you don't do this, what happens to your life? And so when you can show the positive of where you wanna be in the steps to get there, and then on the flip side show if now, if you don't do these steps, Here's where you're going to end up. And are you comfortable with that? And most times I find when you can paint a picture for folks on what it is they're trying to accomplish and what they don't want to accomplish or what they're trying to avoid, that gives you a good start to have that conversation about putting somebody on the right track to reach their, uh, to reach their goals. Because let's think about this, Kevin. Every one of us have a little light inside of us. And most of us, who have attained some level of success, somebody found that light and they helped us make it brighter. Totally. Now, we also know it can work the other way. You can take a bright light and you can turn it down and really suck the energy and enthusiasm. So you, again, you wanna make sure you're surrounded by people that are gonna help you make that light brighter. And those kind of questions like, tell me about your greatest hope for your life and then encourage them what you're doing is you're making that light brighter and that's what helps people get going. Now, guess what? Sometimes people are gonna make a decision and you, you, know, you can't change it. So then don't waste your time there. Uh, it has to be a relationship where somebody wants to get there. And sometimes the timing's just not right. They're not ready to make that commitment and that's okay too. But I try to pour myself into people that have made that decision that they want a life of impact, legacy, and success. And that's where I devote my energies. No, interesting. I, I think that's that's really good advice. And it is good about asking just like simple, basic questions to people to get them thinking about it, right? So maybe you can inspire them to do that. Because I think we all want our close friends and family and, and maybe coworkers and that to be successful and whatever that means to them. And I don't always mean money because I think in a lot of cases, money doesn't necessarily mean you're fulfilled and you're successful. Some people it does, but I don't think it has to. Do you agree with that? I agree. That's why I always start with, tell me what your greatest hopes for yourself. Okay. Because a lot of times, um, you know, they have a vision and a goal. And so you go from there. Let's take this time right now. <clears throat> There's this popular phrase, Kevin, called the great resignation. I ignore that. I call it the great reset. And people say, Steve, what do you mean the great reset? Sure. What COVID did, it forced all of us to step back, <clears throat> excuse me, take time, think about where we're going. And now all of a sudden people are saying, you know what I've been doing does not serve my purpose. It does not drive my passion. I'm not happy doing that. 
Yeah. And so now people are going through the great reset. And in some cases, they're leaving their job. So people call it the great resignation. I want to focus on why. Yeah. And I believe people are not fulfilling their purpose and their why. And they're looking for it. And that's why I wrote the book, Uncompromising, which really focuses on that critical quote by Mark Twain. The two most important days in your life is the day you're born. The second is, why were you born? If you can start to answer that second question, you'll never work another day in your life because now you'll be doing stuff that fuels your passion and you'll get out of bed excited in the morning. You won't, don't need an alarm clock. You're ready to go. That's what people are searching for. And that's why I wrote the book to help people find their purpose, find their fuel, find their why. Because once you click into that, you'll never work another day in your life, uh, uh, figuratively speaking. No, I 100% I agree with you. But what do you because still some people I find are just scared to make or at least start on that path to to change. What advice do you give people to actually like go for it? Because there's a big line to saying, like, I really need to make a change and actually starting down the road to make that change. Yeah, the, the most powerful thing, Kevin, I use is tomorrow's not promised. You yeah. just start there. Say, do you believe tomorrow is promised to you? No one answers the question. Yes, Steve, I, I'm entitled. Every I'm entitled to live 50 more years. No one says that, Kevin. Right. And you say, okay, if tomorrow's my last day on this earth, am I pleased with my life? Have I yeah. left a have I created a legacy? Have I made an impact? Did I fulfill my full potential? If that does not give you a sense of urgency, that if tomorrow I were to leave this earth, have I lived a meaningful life? That normally stops people to think because everyone knows tomorrow's not promised. And I think COVID, this pandemic, made all of us look inward to reflect that we don't have as much control as we think we do. One day you're going wherever you want to go. One day you're at work. And then literally within a handful of days, we were on lockdown. Yeah. So if you thought you had control, that was a great reminder that you don't. And so if tomorrow's not promised, how do you start living right now? No, I, I think that's really good advice. But we're kind of coming to the end of the show. So how about we close with mentioning where people can get more information about yourself, the book, and any other links you want to mention? Great. Thank you, Kevin, for uh, allowing me to join you today. Uh, the book, Uncompromising, the ebook and audio books available now. The hardcover comes out on March 8th. It's available uh, on Amazon or any other places that you buy your books. But if you want to learn more about the book, about me, uh, if you want to follow me on social media, please go to my website, stevewhitespeaks.com. Again, that's stevewhitespeaks.com. You can find out information on the book. You can follow, uh, find out how to follow me on social media. But there's also some other goodies there to help you start building uh, toward your best life. Perfect, Steve. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you. Great. Thank you, Kevin. It's been an honor being with you today.
You as well. Thanks very much. Okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.